A reading from the book of Ephesians. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it is said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. He gave gifts to his people. When it says he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the same one who ascends far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro, blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. The word of the Lord. Good morning. And a very, very, very thank you to all of you, great voices, great message. And the postlude they'll be singing, Sia Hamba Akuki Nani Kuenkos. Everyone should be dancing in the aisles when they sing that, because that song just lends itself to, to singing. We're about to dance, dance with the Lord, dance with the triune God with this text in Ephesians 4. Let me begin this dance by... Um, asking how many of you are uh, using Instagram, that social media channel with a lot of photos and images? How many of you use that Instagram? Okay, Instagram. Those of you who don't use Instagram, again, this is uh, another one of those uh, doodads, right, in the digital age, to be connected less with words like Facebook, less with stories with all the text and words, more with images, videos, snappy images, in Instagram, uh, the image or the photo, can anyone guess what image or photo has received the most likes? An egg, yes. You guys are right. You're absolutely right. In the other service, they weren't, I think one person got, you're right, the egg. A simple egg, right? A simple egg. Look at that, they're all like, oh, bubbly. The egg. Someone decided, I don't know who, someone decided, I forget who, decided, just take a photo, right, of a simple, cage-free, organic, GMO, gluten-free, non-fat, no-whip egg. They posted it, and within weeks, hundreds of thousands, within months, millions, posted and liked an egg. Think about the image of a simple egg. And this image was reposted and reposted again and again when people liked it. They shared it with their friends and networks and so forth. In that simple egg is simplicity. There's a certain elegance, a certain thing 
There's something nice about something that's just simple, right? Nothing complicated in this world that's so complex, a lot of things going on, a lot of information going on, is a simple egg. Simplicity has power. Simplicity speaks volumes. When we say something that is simple, and it's easy to say it, in living it out is the hard part. In fact, one can make the case that the simpler it is, the harder it is. The text in Ephesians today, and this particular sermon on what is the purpose of the church, boils down to one word, love. Simple, right? Yeah, they're nodding their heads. Simple, love, okay. But something that is simple is hard in doing and living. Let us look to the Lord in prayer. Lord, may the words of my mouth and meditations and thoughts of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. For it is in Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. There was a quote that was posted on some website several years ago that had gone viral for many decades. And it was attributed, though incorrectly, to Mark Twain. The quote is, the two most important days in your life are the day you are born and the day you find out why. <laughs> you got that? The two most important days are the day you are born, your birthday, and the day you find out why you were born. Now for many, many, many decades, this had been attributed to Mark Twain. Now that, that myth had been debunked, but it didn't stop people from still believing that Mark Twain said that. So someone did an experiment, put that quote again, put Mark Twain, I think, with a question mark, and it was shared again and again and again. And so even though it was a wrong attribution, it still proliferates. Mark Twain didn't say it. Now why is it that we want to attribute a wise saying or share a wise saying like that with each other. What is it about that? Just like the egg, we like simplicity. That quote, we want purpose. We long for purpose. And if there is something that is pithy, something that is simple, something that's elegant, something that's, that's nice, let's share that. In this world of complexity and big problems that overwhelm us, something that says, what is the purpose? What is the purpose of why we're here? What is the purpose of why I was born? What is the purpose of my learning, going to school and, and doing homework and, and listening to my parents? What's the purpose of us coming to church on a nice sunny spring day? What is the purpose of us, of us working and investing our time and love and energy and money into our families and to our children? What is the purpose of my retirement? What is the purpose of all of it. We want 
we want purpose, don't we? Repeat after me. I matter. Repeat after me. We matter. Repeat after me. Jesus matters. Okay, there we go. Sounds simple, right? You matter, each of you, all of us, created in the image of God. I matter. We matter. You matter. Jesus matters. That's what unfolds. That's a simple message in Ephesians in the letter to the church at Ephesus. Chapters 1 through 6, and the first three chapters unfolds in the grand purpose of God. Hear this. Ephesians 1.3. Why are you here? Why has God created you? Why has God blessed us? Why has God loved us? Ephesians 1.3. To be holy and blameless before Him in love. Again, chapter 1, verse 5. He destined us for adoption as His children. Again, chapter 1, verse 9. According to His good pleasure that He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in heaven and things on earth. Again, chapter 1, verse 12. So that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of His glory. Again, chapter 2, verse 8. For we are what He has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. Again, chapter 3, verse 8. And to make everyone see what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church the wisdom of God in its rich variety might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. In a nutshell, why have we been created? Why have you and I been made in the image of God? Why have you and I been redeemed and saved and loved by God in Jesus Christ? For the simple purpose of praising God. Sounds simple, right? For the simple purpose of glorifying God, for the simple purpose of recognizing our Creator as the one who is the source of all life and our hope. The reason why you were born, the reason why you're singing today, the reason why we're all singing, the reason why we're here, the reason why you parent or grandparent, the reason why you work and work and toil, the reason why you're retired, is to glorify God is to praise God in all that you and I say and do. Sunday through Saturday, January through December, that's the purpose of why we're here. That is the purpose of why we have been created. That is the purpose of why we toil and labor. That is the purpose why we sing. That is the purpose of why we worship. The call of Ephesians, Therefore, is that we are gathered together as people who have been loved, people who have been redeemed, in order to do just that, right? To praise, to love God, and to share that love with others. Now, it sounds simple, doesn't it? But remember, there's difficulty in simplicity. There's, diffi there's difficulty in the church doing what it needs to be, in what the Lord expects from us. There are at least two heart issues at least two reasons, I think, of why we don't do what we're called to do. Why we find it difficult to praise God in everything that we do. At least two things. One, so a modern, modern writer, Philip Yancey, cites the Danish theologian 
Soren Kierkegaard. And Kierkegaard said that Christians remind him of school children who want to look up the answers to their math problems in the back of the book. Now, none of you don't do that, right? Right? He says, who want to look up their math problems in the back of the book rather than work through them, we yearn for shortcuts. But shortcuts usually lead away from growth, not toward it. We want shortcuts. We think that if we go to a Bible study for three months, we'll come out as a super Christian. That maybe if we go to a Bible conference, maybe one or two years or so forth, or subscribe to, a, to some sort of book devotional or something, that we will appear the next season as ready. We want a shortcut. When we know that the Christian life to be shaped and formed in the way that Christ would have us be is a daily slog, isn't it? It's a lifelong call that takes a community to encourage us, to, to inspire us, to support us, to, to pray for us, to pray with us, to bear one another's burdens. There's no shortcuts. But there's another problem. It's been said that there are four bones in every organization. There's the wishbone. The wishbone where those are folks who wishing somebody would do something about the problem. We have a lot of ideas, but we wish that someone else would do it, right? There's the wishbones. There's the jawbones. Those are the ones who do all the talking, but very little. There are the knuckle bones. Those who knock down everything. Those who knock down everything. But then there are the backbones. Those who carry the brunt of the load and do most of the work. Or maybe even the combination of, of, of those. You see, what prevents our heart from loving God all the time and loving one another, from being the church that God meant us to be, we either want the shortcut, the fast route, we want it right away, and or we are one of these bones, these bones that don't build up, that don't encourage, that criticize, that maybe want to make some demands and so forth, but not really get into the thick of things. That's where we need some, we need some fixing. Those of you who didn't receive my Friday e-blast this past Friday, so uh, those of us who preach on Sunday, every Friday, the Friday prior, we send out a pastoral message to the congregation and friends of the church to give a, a brief reflection on the sermon today, sort of like a little uh, taste of what's to come on Sunday. And so this past Friday, I shared uh, of what happened five years ago when my family and I came here. So we moved from New Jersey, right? So we came all the way, way across the country from New Jersey five years ago. It's been five years. Can you believe it? Right? That's like a whole presidential term plus one. <laughs> and five years ago, we came here May 2014. And just a few months, maybe even a few weeks after we came here, our family was playing tennis, and I, uh, I rolled my ankle. How many of you were here, and you saw me preach here in an air cast, air boot? You remember that, right? And it's on, the, it's on the website. You just have to scroll through 2014. 
So I rolled my ankle, heard this crunch and snap. Ligaments had, had been torn. And of course, I'm just a, you know, the new guy who came. Our family just came, and I certainly could not take a vacation. Can you imagine a new, a new person who's been hired? Oh, Jack, I'm going to take a vacation now for three months. Can you imagine that? So I couldn't. Of course I couldn't. There was a vacation Bible school to be organized. There was a sermon to preach. I was on the preaching calendar. There was Bible studies to preach. There was all sorts of things to be done. And then on top of that, I get this call from my, from my sister. I have one sister up in San Francisco. She said, can you do our wedding? Well, I can't drive because it was my, my right foot that got injured. So we, we managed to drive up to Fisherman's Wharf, and I'm balancing on my crutches, 30-minute wedding ceremony with all the tourists taking photos. Came back down, and I think I did preach that same Sunday. You know how long it took to mend those ligaments? About 10 weeks. Right? 10 weeks plus physical therapy. It's a slow process. Well, here's the thing. When the Apostle Paul in Ephesians writes about we are called together as a church of Jesus Christ to support each other, to equip each other for ministry, he says, that word equip in our English Bibles, that word equip is a fancy schmancy Greek word. Now, I know you guys are smart. The, the, the Greek word is katartismos. Katarti Can you say katartismos? See, I know that you guys sang ecclesiastical Latin, so catartismos is a cinch for you guys. Catartismos just means, even though we translate equip, it means to set the bones. That's what it means. In other words, all of us are called together to help to set the bones right. And the Apostle Paul will talk about the ligaments, you know, that were built up in the body, like ligaments that need to be put together so we'll grow into maturity and love. We are like bones in the body of Christ that need to be reset, to be realigned again and again. Why? Because those ligaments come out of joint, right? The ligaments sometimes break. Uh, that's why we have the weekly prayer of confession, to confess, God, I and we broke it again. God, I've been misaligned again this past week. And then the assurance of pardon is offered. You've been made whole. Receive the healing promise and power of God in Jesus and then live it out again. But we know that you're going to break, so come back and then live it out again. And then come back again. And that's what we're called to do. And that's why we need, we need Jesus, right? That's why we need Jesus. You know, when you guys sang, I, I remembered when I was... The photos of the church I grew up in, in San Bruno, California, a little Filipino church. And I sang in the, youth, in the children's choir back then. And there was this photo of me just belting it out, just giving it all that I got. You know, even if I was out of tune, I would just sing and sing. And then later on, when I joined the youth choir as a teenager and a college student, my voice didn't get any better. Right? That's why I could never sing in Broadway brunch. I leave that to Jack. Because my voice is just not, you know, I could belt out the hymns and so forth, but not any other song. Well, here's the thing. When I joined the, the youth choir as a high school student, as a college student, I had to be sure that the baritone section leader was standing next to me and that I was standing next to him. Because if he was somewhere else in the choir or if he was absent, I was in trouble. 
I was in trouble because my voice would go out of tune. Well, here's the thing about getting in tune, right? And you know this. The section leader will match their voice to the piano, right? Well, the piano better be in tune. Now, if we multiply the number of pianos, let's say 100 pianos or 100 organs, how do we get those 100 pianos and organs to come in tune? Will we get maybe one of those pianos to tune to get the other 99? No, like what do you need to tune the pianos? The tuning fork, right? Or maybe some other device that, that mimics the tuning fork. That if you get 100 pianos or 100 organs, in order to tune them, you need something else that is outside the group of pianos and tuning forks, right? Now, guess what? In a congregation of 1,100 members, we need someone who is outside the community. But we also need someone who is in the community who knows the community. Well, on planet Earth, there are 7 billion people. We need 7 billion people to be realigned to the purpose of God. So we need someone who is both outside, but who is also a resident of that community. This word here says that there's only one person who fits the bill of the tuning fork, isn't it? It's Jesus. In fact, in this text, when it talks about that Jesus is the one who ascends and descends, visit the stained glass window right behind this organ. It is the Jacob's ladder organ. Uh, Jacob's ladder stained glass window, that is. And in that stained glass right there is angels going up and down heaven. And Don McNeil reminded me that the main feature is not only of the angels going up and down, but the symbol of Alpha and Omega is there. Visit that stained glass and you'll see it. Alpha and Omega, right? Jesus is the one who goes up and down. The one who is both outside and inside. The one who is above and the one who is below. The one who ascends and the one who, is de and the one who descends. Jesus is the only one who fits the bill, who could realign us and tune our hearts and our lives to the purposes of God. Where God gives vision, God gives provision. Where God gives vision, and what is God's vision? His vision, his dream, his hope, is that the people who he gave his son Jesus Christ for would live for him and would love each other and support each other in this thing called life and faith. Where God gives vision, God gives provision. Our sisters and brothers in South Africa have a special term for this. It's called Ubuntu. Ubuntu, which is translated humanity. Humanity. Or, in a nice pithy saying, I am because we are. That's what Ubuntu means, humanity, that I can't understand my humanity. I can't understand myself as a man of God, as a pastor, as a preacher. You can't, under your, you can't understand yourself fully as a, as a business person, as a retiree, as a, as a parent, apart from each other. The fullness of what humanity is meant to be. I am impoverished without you. You are impoverished without me, without all of us. 
I saw this powerfully this past week, these last seven days, of the church in action. The church supporting and encouraging each other. The church loving each other and helping the bones to realign and to be reset. Three co-workers gathered upstairs in the office, taking 45 minutes away from checking emails and the projects that were on our, on our desks, sharing and laughing about the seasons of parenting and, oh, how challenging it is and how joyful it is. A dad... A dad who was dropping off his two children to our village church preschool on Thursday morning. And he said to me and to Pamela Miller, our, our director, I really appreciate my wife while she's on, a, on her business trip. Because now I know what it is to be like, to care for the family all by yourself. And some of us who heard that encouraged him in that. Keep on keeping on, brother. Keep on keeping on. And then when your wife comes back, thank her. Or the superintendent of Del Mar Union School District who encourages her co-workers and inspires them to do their best, whose profile in Faith and Work video will be in two weeks. Or groups of four, groups of four men huddled there was about 20 of them, as they do every Thursday morning, so early in the morning, having breakfast and fellowship with Bible in hand. Or eight people, some of whom were strangers coming to that table at Panera in Solana Beach, wrestling with what it means to live a life in the digital age, finding for some Facebook not healthy, not helpful, not helpful, it evokes a covetous spirit of wondering if someone else's life is more exotic than mine. And others who said Facebook is a wonderful way to connect with long-lost friends. These eight wanting to learn how to keep perspective in work and in life and in caring for family. And one who really wanted, who really wanted to ponder how to deal with difficult people at work how do I do it while still maintaining my Christian integrity? Or lastly, but not certainly not least, the casting crew community of A Pirate's Life for Me, and you better watch it, 2 p.m. I think tickets are almost, if not sold out. There's like a, more than 100 folks who have, who have purchased tickets, and I'm sure walk-ins will come. But here's what happened that I witnessed yesterday. An intergenerational cast young, middle-aged, old, encouraging each other. Seeing young Christopher Cullum, right, Myra? Young Christopher Cullum, collaborating and checking the final lines with Brother Rick Farley before they were to go on stage. And watching Christopher practice with his dad, Andrew. I told Andrew, his father, I never thought that I would see you act. I never thought that I would see you on stage. And he did. With the help of that cast, with that help of everyone gathering together, encouraging each other, helping to memorize lines. You get it? 
That's what it means to be the church of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father in heaven, how marvelous and wonderful you are. You, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, perfect loving community. You embracing us into the community of your love and calling us to live it out as a church of Jesus Christ. So help us, O oh God, again and again to support and encourage equipping one another as the Spirit of Jesus Christ realigns our ligaments and bones so that we might grow in maturity, in love, in Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.